Good afternoon. Good afternoon. This is the lovely podcast, God's Holy Word. This is episode four, and we're going to be discussing. This is a continuation of the goodness of God, part three, and we're going to be taking a look at Psalm one o six, verses thirteen through twenty seven. Or I take that back. Verse down to verse twenty three. So let's go ahead and get started on this one. It says, but they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. In the desert, they gave in to their craving. In the wilderness, they put God to the test. So he gave them what they asked for, but sent a wasting disease among them. In the camp, they grew envious of Moses and of Aaron, who was consecrated to the Lord. The earth opened up and swallowed Dathan. It buried the company of Abiram. Fire blazed among their followers. A flame consumed the wicked. At Horeb, they made a calf and worshipped an idol cast from metal. They exchanged their glorious god for an image of a bull which eats grass. They forgot the god who saved them, who had done great things in Egypt, miracles in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. So he said he would destroy them. Had not Moses' chosen one stood in the breach before him to keep his wrath from destroying them? The first thing I want to take a look at here. Is from verse thirteen, and it says, "But did not wait for his plan to unfold." So in this psalm, we're we're basically looking at a brief history of the Israelites going through the vast desert on their way to the Promised Land, and that was along a path that normally would take about eleven to twelve days, but because of their fickleness and stiffneckedness towards God, it took them forty years, and this is one of the reasons why it took so long. They did not wait for God's plan to unfold. What this reminds me of is when, you know, the difference between our patience and God's patience. Our patience can be very short-lived, because I think sometimes we get into the flesh and we get impatient. But I think about, you know, how patient is God compared to our level of patience? I think God is way more patient with us than we are with Him. And you know what I get out of this is that if we wait for God's plan to unfold, then first of all we're going to be relying on God, which is what we're supposed to do when we are believers in Christ Jesus. But also we get to live in a place of rest. We get to really live in peace and calm that we may not be used to, especially as Americans. You know, Americans we can live a very stressed out life. Like I remember meeting some Europeans. I think they were from Spain and Italy. They they were just so taken aback by how stressed out Americans are, and you know, initially they thought it was funny, but then the longer they were around Americans, the more they were、um, concerned that we were so stressed out all the time because we take things so seriously. Because over in Italy and in Spain, they have a very relaxed culture. Like in Spain, when they go to lunch. They go to lunch for like three or four hours. It's like a siesta. I mean, they they eat, they talk, they, I mean, they actually do have long conversations, and then they more than likely take a nap because if you're in Spain, and it's lunchtime, more than likely there's not going to be very many shops open because they're closed for lunch. So it could be about three or four hours that no business is being conducted. So that's just one of those things that. You know, we Americans we expect things to happen pretty quick because that's the kind of lifestyle that we have. That's very similar to the Israelites in that they did not want to wait for God's plan to unfold. So if you do the opposite of what the Israelites did here, 
then that means we wait for the Lord. We wait on the Lord. We wait for his plan to unfold for our lives because we know that his plan is far better than our plan for our life. And that takes patience and it takes courage. It takes a lot of courage to trust God. It takes a lot of courage to to trust for something to come to pass. But what's interesting is that if you truly put your faith in God, you will not be disappointed. Not one single day, not one single moment. Because even if you're walking through a desert, the Lord will still feed you, still clothe you, still help you get to your destination, and he will help you to be prosperous in every single one of your steps. The Israelites did not realize that. So if anything, this is a good manual, a good little road map, road map for us to realize of what not to do sometimes. The next verse it says, "In the desert they gave in to their craving." The first thing that came to mind was when people have cravings for food or addictions or drugs or pornography or whatever the case may be. If you turn that craving into the opposite, basically instead of having a, a craving for something, have a desire to serve God, have a desire to be pure, have a desire to to live at a normal weight. You know, we can't always control our height because that's usually genetics, but we can control our weight. Now look at this way, it's not a problem to eat a dessert or a steak. The the issue is quantity. So if you know you like a certain food, just don't overintake, but just partake, if that makes sense. The next thing that got my attention was in verse 16 where it says In the camp they grew envious of Moses and of Aaron. So it's interesting about the Israelites here. First they got a little irritated, then instead of realizing why they were getting irritated and instead of going to God, they just became envious of Moses and of Aaron. So they started turning on the very people that were defending them to God because God was getting frustrated and irritated with the Israelites. And so the Israelites were starting to turn on Moses and Aaron. not really taking into consideration that Moses and Aaron especially Moses was going to bat for them all the time to God saying God be patient with them you know you know you know that they lived in slavery for over 400 years they're just really frustrated they're just really frustrated another part that i like it says who was consecrated to the lord you know to be consecrated is quite an anointing but i think it would be really amazing if more christians realized that When you believe in Christ Jesus, you are consecrated to the Lord because you're making a choice to live the life of a Christian and to walk in God's ways, not in your human flesh way. So when you're consecrated, there's more peace in that. There's also more responsibility, but you will have a more peaceful life based on the fact that you're believing in Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean the devil won't try and come at you. That doesn't mean the devil won't won't poke your buttons, push your buttons, you know, try and get on your nerves, use people against you, but when you know who you are in Christ Jesus, that stuff won't bother you as bad as as when you didn't have Christ in your life at all. The next verse is the thing I the thing that jumped out at me was the earth opened up and swallowed Dathan. You know, if I was there in the camp and I saw the earth open up and swallow up that guy, I would think that if I wasn't behaving correctly, I would change immediately. But the Israelites did not do that here. Time and time again, Israelites saw the goodness of God. They also saw his authority and his justice, and they still were a little frustrated with him. So God's doing all these signs and wonders, but they're they're not 
living in the fullness of God. And here's the thing. Because they were not living in the fullness of God, they were not going to God with everything, they were turning against him. They took a 12-day journey and turned it into a 40-year laborsome, horrible vacation, I guess you could say. So what should have been a short trip turned out to be a long trip, and they lost a lot of people along the way. And they didn't have to do that. All they had to do was trust God, do good and keep pushing forward, but they they became very fickle multiple times throughout their journey, but you know, God got them to where they were supposed to go. Eventually they did get to the promised land. It just took a long time. So I look at as, hey, if I find out that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, then I will change. If I know that I'm irritated, I want to know why I'm irritated because I don't want to live a life of frustration because God doesn't call us to live frustrated. He calls us to live to be blessed and happy in all things. Doesn't matter if we're walking through a lush green field or if we're walking through a desert, we're supposed to rely on God no matter what because that's where we're going to find our peace and happiness. Jumping down to verse 20, it says they exchanged their glorious God for an image of a bull which each which eats grass. What's really sad is they exchanged God for an animal that they could slaughter for food. So they're trying to make themselves God. They're trying to make it seem like they know what's best for them when obviously they don't. And when I read that part that they exchanged God for the image of a bull, it reminded me of this guy that I knew in college. He was from Sri Lanka. We were really good friends for a long time, and then he went off the deep end. I don't know what really happened to him, but he was from Sri Lanka, and we had a group of about three or four friends. And there was one time I went over to his apartment. I was just picking up books and we were going to go to the library to study because that's what we did. We studied all the time because we had upper division um level classes. Like he was a couple years older than me. I think he was studying engineering at the time and you know, we studied a lot. I mean, I wasn't in engineering. I was in English and history, but um we we still just always went to the library to study. And went over to his apartment and I I was staying in his living room. waiting for him to pack up his books so we could go on to the library and I turn around and there's a TV set there and on top of the TV set and this was back when TVs were like a box box not like these thin flat screen things you have now and so on top of this TV set were all these little figurines they were really pretty but they were ornate looking like they were not obviously american they were not um from american culture of any kind And I was like this is very interesting. So I asked him about this. I said, "What are these figurines because they looked really pretty?" And I just wasn't used to a guy having pretty figurines in his house, in his apartment, especially in college. And so he goes, "Oh, well, those are the different gods that I worship." And my mouth just kind of dropped. You know, cuz I'm from Oklahoma and he's going to a school in Oklahoma. So I was kind of interested. I was like, "Okay, what is this?" And I said, "Well, what are all these different gods? Like I literally had never come across this before. I didn't think people still worshiped other gods like this, especially on this kind of scale." So he proceeds to tell me the names of each god and what they do, and each one of these gods looked so weird. I mean, the the figurines were pretty, but at the same time they were creepy looking. Like they had multiple heads, multiple feet, multiple arms, multiple legs. Um a lot of them were like twisted up almost like snake like. And um like one of them was in the shape of a person sitting cross-legged like almost in like a yoga prayer kind of uh pose but had the nose of an elephant. 
Um, and it was just really weird looking. Like, if, you know, like from a distance they looked pretty, but the closer you got, the more disturbing they looked. And so he was telling me about all these different gods, and he says, well, when I need help with money, like if my student loan doesn't come through, I pray to this god. If, if, um, if my paycheck hasn't cleared the bank, but I need, um, I need food, then I pray to the god for crops. I mean, he had all these individual gods. And what I found interesting was that he was one of the most miserable people that I knew. Like, he was, he was really nice. He could, be, he could be really fun, but there was something kind of miserable to him. Like, he was, his soul was not at rest. He was a very restless individual. And when I realized what religion he was practicing, which was paganism, I realized why he was so frustrated and why he was kind of slowly sinking. Because we knew each other for probably two to four years. And so I was just kind of like, wow. This is really creepy and interesting all at the same time. And um, you know, initially, me and some other friends were going to visit him in Sri Lanka, and he was going to show us the country because there's this one particular train that goes through like um, a jungle and through some mountainous areas and things like that. But the trip got canceled because Sri Lanka was kind of continuously having this civil war, and um, it turned into guerrilla warfare, and it was very dangerous. Like if you're an American, you for sure could not go there at this time. And then also if you're a woman, it was highly suggested that you avoided that place like the plague because it was very dangerous for women to visit. And then he ended up going back home to Sri Lanka. And he kind of went off on the deep end, like became a very negative individual. And he lost his smile and he just kind of had this dead soulless look to his eyes whenever I would see him. And we eventually lost contact and it made me very sad because... I didn't know how to help him. I was very weak in my faith at that time. I didn't talk about God very much back then when I was in college. I believed in God. I went to church every now and then, not very often, but I would read my Bible. But that's not the same as walking with Christ. Just because you're reading your Bible and you go to church every now and, now and again, that doesn't mean that you're actually having fellowship with Jesus Christ. And I'm living proof of that. Like I know now that I am walking in Christ And I have fellowship with him and I have communion with him. Whereas when I was younger, I was kind of floundering in my faith. I knew who God was. I knew who Jesus was. I believed in him. And I knew I had the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. But I didn't practice my faith the way I should have. Because I felt lost in myself is what it felt like. So then because I was lost, I couldn't really help my friend discover the one true God. The God that can answer all prayers can answer all requests, and help him with anything and everything that he needs. And I just regret not helping him. You know, but at the same time, we all have our different paths. We all have our own journey. And so every so often when I think about him, I pray for him because he was such a good friend. But what was interesting was the more he prayed to these pagan gods, the meaner he got, the weirder he got. And eventually, um, he started to have this horrible opinion of the United States, and eventually he left the United States, even though he initially, when he, when he came to the United States, he was super happy. He was so grateful to be here, to go to school here. But the more he worshipped these pagan gods, the more his mentality turned against the United States, and he didn't really value our freedom or our equality or our liberty. And he started to think that his country was way better than ours, even though his country was falling apart at the time. And so it was really sad because he was a nice young man. He was just lost. 
He was lost in his soul, in his heart, and in his mind. So the turbulence that was going on and the civil unrest that was going on in his country eventually infiltrated his heart because he was practicing all these pagan gods that could do nothing for him but bring him down. Because pagan gods are not the real god. They are not real. They are dead gods. I mean, it, it's not even worthy to call them a god because they're just images made out of porcelain or rock or stone or marble. They're not the one true god. So it's important to know who you are in Christ Jesus so that way, first of all, you know who you are in Christ Jesus, but you can help lead others to Christ that desperately need him. And our world desperately needs Jesus Christ, big time. So then we go on to verse 21. Um, the thing that really stood out to me was, they forgot the God who saved them, who had done great things in Egypt. It's, how I word this? Like, I, it reminds me of these stories that you see online where, you know, like maybe someone's car gets flipped And, you know, they go into a river or a lake and you have these passerbys that they stop and they save that person from drowning because they can't get out of their vehicle. Well, what's interesting is that, you know, everybody's happy in that moment that those people were saved and they're truly appreciative of those people. But it's one of those things where sometimes we forget who saves us, who loves us. And it's important to give credit where credit is due. So I love the stories when I see them online or on TV where the people that save someone's life, they get recognition for that good deed. What I wish more people would do is recognize the goodness of God and realize what all he has done for them and done for us in our lives. Because when you keep that at the forefront of your mind, then you remember the goodness of God. And when you remember the goodness of God, you know that his, his goodness is everlasting. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. So then you know that when tough times happen or hardships appear or come onto the scene, that the Lord can swap those like a fly because you've seen what he's done in the past. It's the same thing here with the Israelites. Like they were not taking stock of all the good things that God had done for them, especially the miracles he did in Egypt. But if they had remembered the good things that God had done for them, they would not have spent as many years in the desert because they would not have been a fickle, stiff-necked people And they would not have lost hope or faith in the God that loves them. But when you lose hope and you lose faith and you falter in your faith, that's when fear and doubt and worry starts to enter your mind. And whatever enters your mind goes to your heart. And when something takes hold of your heart, it can turn you against the very person who's our Heavenly Father that can save you from anything and everything. So sometimes... When we're reading things like this about what the Israelites did, sometimes we need to look at it as, oh, this is what not to do. And what not to do is to forget what God does for us and how much he loves us and that he can save us from anything and everything. And don't ever lose heart. The next thing I underlined was miracles in the land of Ham and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. Two words really jumped out at me, miracles and awesome deeds. You know, we tend to forget that miracles happen every day. Because we have a really nasty media. Journalism has gone into the toilet. I wish it would get out of the toilet. But we have a media and journalists that just focus on the bad because that's how it sells. That's how they make their money. And hence, I don't watch hardly any television at all. And when I do watch anything, it's usually online. And I decide what I watch. If I don't want to see an ad, I shut it off. I just skip to something else because I don't want to be a part of some... news story uh, or news story free, uh, feeding frenzy like a bunch of sharks 
in the in the ocean. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to allow my mind to wander into a direction of fear and worry and doubt. I would rather focus on the miracles of God that still happen to this day. God is alive and he loves us. Always loves us, always cherishes us. And I also want to always remember the awesome deeds that God has done not only for me but for our ancestors. And if you are walking in Christ Jesus, and technically your ancestors are these Israelites, they are the Hebrews. So remember that when you are walking in Christ Jesus, technically your heritage is part of the of the of the Hebrew lineage because you're in the family of Abraham. You're part of that covenant. So when you remember the goodness of God, there is no room for doubt. There's no room for fear because your heart should be so loaded up and overwhelmed with the goodness of God and with his love that there's no room for anything bad to take root in your in your heart. And when you have the goodness of God in your heart, just imagine the wonderful things you will have at the forefront of your mind that will take charge of your life because whatever you meditate on is typically what's going to happen in your life. So if you assume the best and expect the best and you know that miracles happen every day, you are going to see more of the blessing of God in your life than if you are just living in constant worry and fear. And you know, I look at it this way, if you're watching TV and that's what you do, that's okay. Just watch a positive channel. Watch something good. Cuz I remember back in the day, if it was negative or disturbing, I would watch it. I don't know why, but I got in a bad habit of watching all these crime scene shows, like real cases and stuff, and it was addictive. And I thought, I've got to stop this. Like this is not helping me at all. Like if I'm going to watch something, it either needs to be about the goodness of God or it needs to be a positive documentary or something funny or happy or you know something that's appropriate and or maybe about you know the history of this country you know things like that like focus on the things that will bring value to your life not take away value from your life because whatever you're putting into your mind is going to take the place of something else so if you're putting something good into your mind it's going to take the place of the bad which is in fact a really good thing to do because technically you are reprogramming your brain and when you do that you're helping to develop really good habits of knowing the goodness of God is alive and well and it lives in you because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world God should always come first and for the longest time I did not understand that because I was like well I'm human how am I going to put God first in everything prayer 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 and meditating on his holy word and sometimes i do that while i'm walking you know i might be walking through the mall or i might be walking you know 2 to 5 miles a day and i'm just meditating on the goodness of god and i'm just thinking most of the time just thinking lord i love you i thank you so much for every good thing you've done in my life thank you for helping me with this situation and then it, you have that fellowship you have that inner dialogue with god and he can help you with any and all things in your life. Like for example, like sometimes I do not like thinking about my health insurance because it's expensive. But I know that God helps me get that covered. And I know that he helps me find the best doctors when I need them, if I need them, things like that. So when I focus on the goodness of God, I'm not worried about money. I'm not worried about my job. I'm not worried about my finances. I'm not worried about my health because I know that God has all of that covered because I am in the palm of his hand and he loves me very much and he's not going to let something bad happen to me not ever and even when hardships happen I know he can swat that situation like a fly and help me get where I need to go 
even if it's not the path that I think I should take, what I've learned to do is to shut off my mouth and my head and just focus on what God wants me to say, what he wants me to do and where he thinks I should go. Because sometimes we forget that our human understanding does not even come close to God's understanding, which is why we need to go to him with everything first, even if it's just for a split second, just say, "God, help me, what should I do here?" He will help you. Just a simple prayer. It doesn't have to be a big old long prayer. It doesn't have to be a big performance. Just I find that the simplest prayers get the quickest results. Because the simplest prayers, they're usually more intentional. They're more direct towards God and God loves it when how I word this. When we when we have his I don't know how to, how is he described this? Like when he is our number 1 goal and he is number 1 in our life. He loves that cuz he knows that we're trying. That's all God asks. All he does is ask us to try. He knows we're flawed, he knows we're not perfect, but because we're made in the image of God, we are his creation, so he's not going to give up on us. He's not going to fail us. And what's interesting is that even when we fail him, he still loves us. He still opens his loving arms to us. So I say, don't ever throw that away. Always have an open heart. Always have open communication with God and see where he takes you. It's a wonderful journey. It's a wonderful thing to worship and grow in your faith in a way that you have never known before, that you've never seen before because that's typically where the miracles happen. And sometimes they can come out of nowhere. But I tell you what, when miracles happen, you know that they are from God and you know it's not by chance, you know it's not by luck, and you know because you can see God's love manifesting in your life and that manifestation is what God has wanted for you this whole time. He wants to manifest his love in your life every day of your life. And to me that's just absolutely beautiful. So I will go ahead and end this podcast for now. So until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to message me directly from this podcast website. There should be a link that says message me or contact me. Message me anytime. So until next time, have a good week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Waves transform the earth